Welcome to another Fantasy Fiction Friday! I've got Chapter 38 of The Dragon Collector coming your way. In this chapter, you get to meet two new dragons, Dahlia and Eli. Dahlia is the evil king's Dawnstalker, and Eli is his Duskstalker. You'll find Dahlia is a bit of a snob, and Eli, well, writing about Eli's appearance in this scene broke my heart. Listen in to find out why. It's Fantasy Fiction Friday! That means it's time for an escape break with author D.K. Drake. This is the part of the show where your host, author D.K. Drake, reads you a snippet of one of her stories. So if you're intrigued by a world where dragons exist and people live for hundreds of years, stay tuned for a show designed for sheer entertainment purposes. Still here? Fantastic! Prepare for adventure, for you are now entering the land of Xandador. Chapter 38, Stalker Square. Javen had been so focused on the castle dominating the distant hill that he overlooked the crowd coming to a standstill as they reached the crest of the hill they were traveling on. It took Hammond nudging him from behind to redirect his gaze to the world in front of him. At Stalker Square, Hamilton said, pointing down. Javen found himself standing at the top of an amphitheater. Countless rows of stone steps wrapped three-quarters of the way around a square paved with stalker scales that was half the size of a football field. The steps dead-ended into a wall on the far side of the square. Arched openings that served as box seats were built into the wall, and a gate in the middle led to the castle grounds. Four fountains with life-size statues of dragon stalkers as centerpieces decorated the four corners of the square. The statues depicted the dragons at the height of their feeding times, rainbow-colored dawn and dusk stalkers, thus each filled a fountain in the front two corners, while a golden noon stalker and a black midnight stalker each filled a fountain in the back two corners. A platform about the size of a theater stage and supported by four tall, round columns marked the center of the square. It was accessed by regal spiral staircases on both the front and the back. His mother would soon be standing on that stage. According to the plan, he would need to be as close to the front-left column as possible. But right now, no one was even occupying the stairs of the amphitheater, much less the territory right near the stage. All access points were roped off and guarded by soldiers. Is this as close as they'll let us get? Javen asked. He was on the brink of panic. He couldn't save his mother from here. If he had his stun balls, he might be able to make a go of it. But unarmed, he didn't stand a chance. Relax, kid, Hamilton said. They'll let us fill the place up soon. As if on cue, the castle gates opened. A man wearing a white shirt and black pants and carrying a trumpet walked through the gates, across the square and up the spiral stairs to the stage. He blew three long notes that reverberated throughout the stadium. Once the echoes died down and the crowd packed around the top of the steps hushed, the man spoke. Execution ceremonies are to begin in two hours. No microphone enhanced the man's voice, but Javen could hear every word as clearly as if the man were standing beside him. Soldiers? Let the people in! The soldiers unhooked the ropes, and the people flooded forward. Ravier led the charge down their row of steps, and Hamilton picked Astor up to keep the old man from getting trampled in the sea of people descending toward the square. Javen stayed between Ravier and Hamilton, but had to keep his elbows up to keep from getting battered on his right and left during the surge. He almost tripped on the steep steps several times and was relieved when they made it to the flat ground of the square. Then the battle for positioning began. They, along with thousands of other people from every direction who wanted to watch from the front row, sprinted toward the stage. Javen kept his eyes on the front-left column as he ran. That's where he wanted to be. That's where he had to be in order for the plan to work. Gravier and Hamilton, however, needed to be near the front staircase. 
Javen thus kept plowing forward when Ravier split to the right. He didn't look for him again until he reached his intended spot. Hamilton, still toting Astor, filed in right behind him. This is where we part ways, kid, Hamilton said, setting Astor on his feet beside Javen. Stick with Astor and don't let anyone get in your way. Yes, sir, Javen said. He tracked Hamilton's walk to the bottom of the front staircase and watched him meet up with Gravier. So far, so good. Now all they had to do was wait. After two straight hours, Javen had had about enough of being pushed and pulled and poked and prodded as he fought to retain his position. The task of holding his position became more and more difficult as more and more people packed into the square like sardines. The bigger, stronger men were forcing their way to the front lines with their wives and children in tow. He and Astor thus lost ground with each new wave of people, and he found himself constantly inching his way back to the front while pulling the old man with him. When they made it to the front yet again, he took a moment to catch his breath and study his surroundings. The entire amphitheater was so packed with people all decked out in brown clothes that the square looked like a giant mud pit, while the seating area appeared to be more like a dirt hill with a pulse, rather than rows of stadium seats occupied by individual people. And they were all here for one purpose, to watch his mother die. Look, the gates are opening, a nearby spectator said. The show's about to start. All eyes turned toward the castle gate, and the crowd parted to form a pathway from the gate to the platform. Whispers spread throughout the finger-pointing crowd, and Javen strained his neck to see what they were all pointing at. It took several agonizing minutes, but he finally saw Esmeralda come into view about halfway between the gates and the stage. She wore the same plain brown dress as the rest of the women in the crowd, only hers was about five sizes too big and overwhelmed her emaciated frame. Her long black hair had been chopped off and hung in uneven patches above her shoulders. Her hands were clasped in front of her, which was only natural since her wrists were tied together. She walked with a limp, favoring her right leg. As she drew closer, Javen also noticed dark circles under her eyes and a strangely pale complexion despite her naturally tan skin. Nevertheless, she walked with confidence and kept her head held high as she moved forward and ascended the steps to the stage. Javen tried to catch her eye, to let her know he was there, to give her hope. But she was too focused on the path ahead to look into any of the faces of the crowd below her. Six soldiers, all carrying trumpets, followed behind her. She took her place on the center of the stage while the soldiers fanned out beside her, three on each side. They simultaneously lifted their instruments, played a series of triumphant-sounding notes, and said in unison, Prepare the way for Dahlia, the Dawnstalker, and Viviana, the Twelfth Queen, mother of the Thirteenth Son! The Twelfth Queen? Javen coughed to cover his surprise. How many queens were there? Were all thirteen sons hers? Or did some of them belong to some of the other queens? Javen was thoroughly confused and wished learning the hierarchy of the royal family had been part of his training. He was about to ask Astor for a quick lesson when the castle gates opened once again. The crowd gasped and pushed back to form an even wider walkway than the one they formed for Esmeralda, allowing Javen to easily see the white-scaled Dawnstalker from where he stood. Standing atop the dragon and holding its reins was a dark-skinned woman with a long black braid draped over her right shoulder. She wore a flowing purple gown, jeweled necklaces, and a diamond-studded golden crown. She slowly guided the dragon forward, soaking in the reverence of the bowing crowd as she proceeded. The dragon kept her nose stuck in the air, just like the queen. Javen wasn't sure if that was because the dragon was a snob or because that's how the queen forced Dahlia to walk by the way she held the reins of the halter. Then he heard the dragon's thoughts. That's right, people. Back away and feast your eyes on my magnificence. I know I'm beautiful now, but I'm even more stunning when my scales change colors. Dahlia stuck her nose even higher in the air and walked a little slower. 
but at least I do get to enjoy the admiration without wanting to eat everyone. Javen could practically feel the dragon's arrogance the closer she walked to him. As self-absorbed as she was, Javen wondered how she functioned without a mirror to stare at herself in wherever she went. When the queen reached the stage, she turned the dragon around to face the gates. That's when Javen noticed Dahlia's tail ended in a ragged stump rather than its naturally thin point. He felt a stab of sympathy for the vain dragon and wondered what it was like to be marked as a slave who was stripped of all free will. More triumphant notes sounded from the stage, followed by another announcement. Prepare the way for Eli, the Duskstalker, and the Thirteenth Son, Micah the Mighty! Eli? Aster said, sounding surprised. They hadn't expected Eli, the dragon who was once part of Kenton's collection and Mertzer's brother, to make an appearance today. Javen took a few steps to his left and strained his neck around Dahlia's massive body to catch a glimpse of the dragon Omri had used to cheat his way into power. At the castle gates, Micah stood at the base of the stalker's neck. Micah's black skin and even blacker uniform contrasted sharply with the white scales of the dusk stalker he stood upon. One hand held the reins of the halter while he pumped the other in the air in victory fashion. The crowd erupted in applause, and Micah forced the dragon to trot forward. The dragon was not an impressive stalker specimen. His long body was thin and gaunt with patches of missing scales. His vacant eyes and defeated posture didn't exactly strike fear in the hearts of the onlookers. Nor did the halter the dragon was forced to wear. While Dahlia's halter looked similar to the halter he used on his horse Storm, Eli's had a muzzle attached to the noseband, which prevented him from opening his mouth. The leather strips also weren't sitting flat against Eli's scales thanks to the spikes on the underside of the halter. The cruelty of the halter reminded Javen of Micah's cruelty. The image of Micah whipping the boy last night played in Javen's mind. Hearing the crowd praise a man who would do such a despicable thing made Javen want to knock Micah off the dragon and talk some sense into this senseless crowd. The only thing that kept him from taking such action was looking up and seeing his mother. She was ignoring the fanfare behind her and staring straight ahead. She appeared unmovable, unflappable, unshakable. If she could be a vision of strength on the brink of death, he could be strong enough to not move or act until Aster gave him the cue to do so. Micah steered Eli to the stage beside his mother and her dragon, climbed up his dragon's neck, and deposited himself on the platform. Amidst the cheers, Javen tuned in to the dragon's conversation. Well, well, Dahlia said. Look who got to come out and play today. Not my choice, Eli said. Nor mine. You are a miserable excuse for a dragon and belong in that dark little dungeon where the hunter keeps you. You're just bitter the hunter didn't think enough of you to let you lead the execution. I am the favored one. He knows I... People of Xandador, Micah said, now standing in front of Esmeralda. His booming voice quieted the conversation of the dragons and the cheers of the crowd. People of Xandador, welcome Serenity the Midnight Stalker and your king, King Omri the Omnipotent! Micah turned and pointed up to the sky in the direction of the castle. The trumpeters played loud, bold notes as a dark gray spot in the light gray sky grew bigger and bigger. Omri was approaching on his winged dragon just as they expected. Javen's heart began to beat a little faster. The arrival of the Dark King signaled the start of their plan. If you enjoyed today's Escape Break episode but don't want to wait to find out what happens next, click on over to authordkdrake.com. There you can become a DK Drake Insider, secure your free starter library, and access all the books from the Dragonstalker Bloodline Saga that are available for sale on Amazon. In the meantime, I dare you not to dream of dragons tonight. <laughs>